Welcome to Drinks at Work by Boothby. I am Sam Bygrave. We're back after a few weeks off. My guest today is a good friend and possibly Australia's most prolific drinks photographer, Christopher Pierce. We worked together for years when I was the editor at Australian Bartender, and Chris's work spans the world of food and drink, shooting with bars, bartenders, and commercial clients as well. On this episode, Chris talks about how he broke into the world of photography, how and why he came to specialize as a food and drink shooter, and why persistence pays off. He shares advice for anyone wanting to get paid to photograph drinks, as well as some sage advice on what the freelancer life is actually like. He's as good as they get, which is why this episode runs a little longer than usual. There was a lot I wanted to learn from him as well. Now, my chat with Christopher Pierce. Christopher Pierce, thanks for joining me on Drinks at Work by Boothby. How are you today? I'm good. A little cold. It's the middle of winter, but I'm good. Well, we're sitting in your uh, home studio here and it is a bit chilly, but I guess, uh, I don't know, is there a ph- photographic reason for that? Um, it keeps the drinks cold. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you today. You, We know each other from when I used to work at Australian Bartender Magazine. Uh, we used to work together on the magazine each month. You would basically shoot all the drinks uh, that would go into every magazine. You also shoot all our events. So we know each other pretty well. We do very well, almost too well. <laughs> yeah, we spent a lot of time together. <laughs> a lot of time. <laughs> um, but, and this is a question I don't think I've asked you before. How did you come to shooting drinks? What's your origin story here? Well, I started photography in high school. Right. So, and it would have been year eight, year nine. There's right. a photography class. Black and white film, dark room. Yeah. And we used to, uh, me and some of the other guys, like, we're not like the best of students, but we were interested in this and we did it and we do things like we learn how to take the photo and develop it. And then we didn't have to show it at the end of the class because you go out in the schoolyard and do that. Yeah. And then, um, like, sometimes we tease the teacher, like, we'd get a photo inside his car with all of us in it and then develop it and then give it to me out of the class <laughs> or like pull the badge How'd you off. get inside the car? Well, you know, I went to a public school, so you had to learn those things. So there's some skills. There's some skills along the way. <laughs> so that's why I got into it. And um, I think in Canberra High School, I only went for two years, I went to year 10, then you went to college, just two separate things. Right. So I did photography for two years and I was a student coming into year seven. I had like a, a learning disability. I had like, I wouldn't call it exactly called dyslexic, but I was really bad at reading and writing. I was like of a primary school level yeah, in, right. in high school. So I had to do a lot of work just to get back up to where everyone else started. Sure. So, but photography, because my dad was an engineer, he'd done photography as a kid and yeah. through work, he gave me a camera. He sort of, sort of helped out. So his background in engineering and computers kind yeah. of, I guess, I took some of that from him. Sure. And I sort of stuck with it. And it was like the best thing I was at in school. Yeah. English, maths, science, terrible. It was something you took to naturally then? Yes. Yeah. What was it you liked about it? It was just because it was a process. Right. At that point, there was no artistic bone in my body. Right. That's what I say. It was just yeah. uh, almost like a trade. Yeah. You know, when you go to... Well, especially with that darkroom stuff, right? There's a whole lot of... Uh, production that you had to do back in the old days after you took the photo. Yeah, it was really like you get your camera, you have to get the right settings at the right time to get the picture. Yeah. So it looked right. And then if you go on the darker, it almost do the same thing. You have to get the right settings when you put the film into the, onto the, I forget the name of the actual machine, the (laughs) machine, they put the light on the paper 
then you put it to a vapor machine and get the chemicals. And it was all timed out. So it was very much a process. It didn't matter how, I don't want to say bright, but it didn't matter how gifted you were at other stuff. Mm. You could learn this. Yeah. Anyone could learn this. Yeah, then, there was a formula to follow. So that's what I did. I followed that. Um, sorry, my dog. <laughs> we got your dogs here. Dog. Is it dog's name? That's Fox. Fox. He's just wondering who you are. There you go. So moved on, went to college. They had photography and you could, in college, you could double up your classes. Yeah. And um, Foxy, get off him, man. Yeah. Get, get down. down. Yeah. Foxy, get down. Down. Go away. It's <laughs> very distracting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you double up on your classes. Yeah, I got rid of, I, as much of the other stuff I could get rid of, like, I got rid of like English, math, science, as much as I could until mm. I was pretty much doing media and photography and doing really well at it, like getting good grades, enjoying it, learning. Um, it didn't end up in a great like UAI school. Yeah, so, well, because I imagine there would have been careers councils and stuff saying, well, if you want to get into uni, you got to do some English or some maths or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even though I was getting good school, it didn't matter. Anyway, yeah. but I finished off, was happy with it. And then I could have gone to uni, but I went to TAFE. Because yep. there was a photography course in Canberra, which is where I'm from. Yep. It was a commercial diploma mm. in photography, like commercial photography. Right. It was kind of like everything. You start from scratch, even though we'd already done some school, and you go through everything, every type of photography. Right. From like the big old film plates yeah. to studio photography, car photography, to portraiture, to developing, to building a project or like a, a diary. And, yeah. And just going through that. Technical and artistic sort of works for two years. And then um, it turned it into a bachelor. So I added an extra year. So okay. I was there for three years doing that. And my life was eat, sleep, repeat. Yeah. Just learning about photos. Right. And you were in a small group of like 20 people throughout those three years. And that dwindled down as people thought, this is not for me. Right. Like, they, 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 people, I guess, didn't think that there was a future in it, which... What 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 time period is this? Well, I'm 37 now, and that was when I was what early 2000s. 2003 right. is when I was in in TAFE. Okay, and this is before the iPhone. So <coughs> before that's everything's. Yeah, but funnily enough, my first camera was a digital camera. Right. My dad gave it to me. Yeah. Right. But then, Matthew's film, so I got to learn all the old school stuff. So I had a good yeah base of technology. So, like, what was your first job as a photographer then? Like, when did you start making money from this thing? Were you were you working uh, whilst you were doing the study? I did a little bit of work. I did some work experience. There was no money in that. It was just work experience. Yeah. At the Canberra Times. Yep. That was part of uh, uni. And then um, I had two businesses. So, from the word go, I was basically a freelancer. Yeah. Doing independent contracts for different people. The first thing I did, I got in trouble for, but it was, <laughs> what was probably honed my um, artistic sort of Photoshop skills. I got in trouble for making some fake IDs <laughs> for my friends in class. <laughs> Using your photography skills and your Photoshop skills. Yes. Yeah, nice. So that was right at the start of the, my first year. Um, and I had to go to court and had like federal police at my you know, oh, really? house one morning. Jeez. So that was like, also kick up the ass to get, you know, you got to make this, you got to make this stick. So that was a 
Well, it was just it was all it was just playing around with Photoshop and being like a young kid and not really um, from like a. Uh, I can understand the impetus, right? <laughs> you know, young seventeen year old kids want to go just want to go to a bar. That was pretty much all it was. Yeah, but I learned my lesson and um, and then went to my first year of TAFE and really stuck my head down, bum up and started learning some good stuff. Mm. Yeah. So what's the what's the first kind of photography gig that you had after you've left uni because I remember when when you were referred to us at bartender you were you were a snapper for for Fairfax mm. sort of kind of freelance style would you say or I was they can't do that anymore but I was like a permanent freelancer yeah no yeah. contract but I was there almost every day yeah gotcha um because you had some great stories where I'd meet you for a shoot and you're like, I was like, what you been up to today? And you were you were literally on stakeouts and stuff, right? Yeah, With yeah, a long yeah. lens. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think when I was 20, a friend of mine who was a photographer in my class, we did a project. Our last project we had to do before we left mm. or finished the course. We didn't sleep for two months. Yeah. We shot it for six months. It was like a documentary slash studio piece on chefs and food. Right. So that's where, because I'm a food and booze photographer now, yeah. that's where that kind of hap- first happened for me. Gotcha. Right at the start. It was kind of like my first real project. Right. So it was a res- eight restaurants. There were like interior shots, portraits, like funny portraits of chefs, yeah. like quirky, um, documentary sort of photos in the kitchen. So we spent months just hanging, going every Thursday or Friday night to a kitchen. Yeah. Either, either one of us would go and we'd um, just just shoot reportage around the kitchen, get faces, actions. Yeah. And then we go back and shoot all the dishes they had for the restaurant and then we put it into a book. Nice. That we made ourselves. That's where it started. So 20 years old, I moved up to Sydney with him. Ambitions going, Canberra, there's no work for us here unless you want to be a wedding photographer. Yeah. And I'd done a bit of it, as I said, assisting, and that's not for me, wedding photography. It's a tough, tough gig. Why, why is that, just quickly? Um, there's two things. Most people don't know what they look like. And when they don't know what they look like, that's where the problem starts. Because if someone's taken a photo of you and you have another, another idea of what you actually look like, <laughs> they don't match. And there's where problems can happen. Right. Okay. That's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and Especially lot, on, their, on their special day. Right? Yeah. And there's also a lot of competing voices of, you know, there's a lot of pressure on that day. Yeah. So um, it, I... I met a guy the other day who was a really good wedding photographer. He came to work, my workshop. And um, I was just, I said, the first thing I said, I said to him was like, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> so we moved on from there, got to Sydney. We got a place. We actually had a lead because my friend, he had, his dad worked at Fairfax. Right. In the business paper, the uh, Australian Financial Review as a, he was a, foreign correspondent because he was high up yeah cool so he gave us a little leg up and we got a gig shooting it was a good food lift out little magazine of winter winter food yeah like best winter dishes of 2004 whatever it was 2000 probably 2006 yeah so we go yes this is us we just did all this food stuff we'll be perfect for this and they wanted to bring a stylist in which we hadn't really used and we come up with this weird light box and it's so stupid now but this light those white light boxes you yep. shoot food in and we show up to this shoot and the stars is like who the fuck are these two like cowboys and we it wasn't what we normally were doing we were trying to 
replicate what we'd seen in their magazines mm. and we totally fucked it up. Oh, right. Like it got printed, but it was in my mind and my mate's mind, it was shocking. Yeah, right. And we didn't get a call back. Yeah, well, that's the that's the kicker, right? Like it might have been like, oh, yeah, it was good enough to print, but it's not like we're going to get those guys back. Well, sometimes when you're in the print business and you have a deadline to meet and that's what you've got, you just have to run with it too, right? That's true. There's, <laughs> yeah. not, there's no other options. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, I've been there before. It's like, all right, well, that's what we have. So that was a bit of a blow. That's the end of that thing. And then, you know, I'm a struggling photographer, like the classic struggling freelance photographer eating baked beans and toast. Yeah. Always wearing black. 20, always wearing black. (laughs) I had a lot of hair then. I was like overgrown. It was 2021. Yeah, right. Rolling around full. And basically, I needed needed to find work. So I hustled up some photographers I knew and went to a couple of like photography conventions in early that first year. And um, I met a photographer who'd come to my TAFE and I met him and I was like, hey, do you ever use an assistant? He's like, yeah, I actually had an assistant who just left me. Right. I actually do need a new one. Um, it won't be full time like I've used before because things are changing, but I, I do use them regularly. Like, yeah. yeah. So what, what does an assistant do? You basically... But, and, and is it something you see as much these days as it used to be? Uh, not as much, but it's definitely a role. It's basically when the photographer runs out of hands to do things. Right. They'll set up lights. They'll set up computers. They'll help. Mainly, they'll help carry shit. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Lots of bags. Um, yeah. Just an extra set of hands, really. A lot of photographers are a bit precious, and when a lot of stuff is happening, you kidding me? No. <laughs> when a lot of stuff is happening at once, they get flustered. Yeah. So they feel like I've had another set of hands. I can concentrate on my art. Yeah. So I'm an artist. Yeah. And get that done. <laughs> That's the subject. What's in the frame, man? Yeah. Um, so I did that for five years. I took it really seriously. He was a really good boss. He was a old school. He worked at um, Good Weekend doing like all the famous portraits of like Elmwood First and Slim Dusty. Right. And um, he did that for years and years and years. And then he left and then opened up a, his own studio business in Alexandria mm. um, doing like corporate work and portraits and like advertising stuff. But the main thing was I got to learn what business of photography looked like mm. as a freelancer. Yeah. He lived in a studio and he lived upstairs. Yeah. Had a family. Yeah. Lived in a, like a nice, in inner city. And that's kind of where I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a good lifestyle. I could actually make a, a life like this. Yeah. You just need yeah. to hustle and be on top of your craft. Really just not let the world of bills and life and things being hard get you down which is easier said than done yeah like <laughs> it's yeah it's a long long road i wouldn't say for most people it's like hey i'm gonna get out of school i'm gonna pick up a camera yeah and like i'm you find think you're skilled at it and then why am i getting any work yeah like same i, I was like doesn't matter how talented you are yeah it's almost like you're gonna be in the right place at the right time you gotta persist with it yeah as an assistant i would do jobs on the side for myself yeah so it might be like a portrait or some architecture or some food or something mm. bits and pieces it was all money and needed money yeah just um, do whatever comes in whatever never said no yeah never yeah. to anything yeah, yeah which is probably a good piece of advice never say no when you're starting out because you never know where something leads so i did that and then i was like yeah maybe i'll go back to uni mm. 
So I was in Sydney and I found, went to the art school, Sydney College of the Arts, and they had a documentary photography master's. Because okay. I already had a bachelor and a diploma. Yeah. Learning the basics. So I was like, yeah, I could do that. Put your portfolio in, put my portfolio in. Yeah. And they accepted me. It was basically a really hardcore history of documentary photography course. Right. Like writing, essays, speeches. Not my Not bag, your set, yeah. but I was happy that at the end of that course, that, that unit, I got a distinction, even though it was not my bag. Yeah. And what, what does that give you then? Like it makes, doing that, that history stuff of it, is it, it stuff gives, that's up in your... Yeah, it does. It, you think back, it's like you see pictures and people don't think that you can relate a documentary picture to a photo of a drink or a bar or food. It's just little bits and pieces you keep mm. in your mind. Oh, that person did that, was cool. Let's bring that back and do that. Yeah. And you just see what everyone's done because people say everything's already been done before, which yeah. is true. But if you have a knowledge of it and you see stuff now, you can see, like you look at Instagram and stuff, yeah. you can see things coming back, just rolling back like fashion. You're like, <laughs> oh yeah, that guy started that. I so, guess too, when you're taking those shots, you can be more intentional about what you're actually doing because you know the reference points that you've got as well. Yeah, and it's really interesting to find the history of that photography. Like, yeah. like it's your job, you should find it interesting. And it was really interesting. So that was really good. And then literally two weeks out from finishing that, I get a call from... Uh, Fairfax yep. saying they're looking for someone to be a photo researcher not a photographer oh right a few days a week so I get there and then basically I started on the desk sorting out pictures from around the country and the world to give to the editor to use like you find the best ones you go these are your best three yeah you learn a lot, learn a lot about a new thing news like the news world in the old news world people swearing at each other chucking stuff like screaming <laughs> like, can't fuck <laughs> All this shit, it was wild. <laughs> I, I feel like I was born a little too late. I think I would have been great in the news in the 80s, I reckon. Um, and I started on the first day when they started cutting journalists, that really big cut. That was my first day. So it was a strike on the Jeez. day. So it was a bit full on. I didn't know if I was meant to be there or not. And then um, I slowly, slowly got more shifts and it was a proper paying job. And then eventually after probably a few months, they go, do you want Send, we're sending around some job because they're always short stuff from then that point on. Yeah, because they cut all their stuff. They cut all their stuff. <laughs> it's like, do you want to go out and shoot this quick portrait or do go out and do this quick story? I like, mm. loved it. And I went out and did it and they clearly saw that I had a talent. Yeah. I was more capable. I could get the job done, which in the newspaper, you got to get the job done. Reliability. It's like a train. Yeah. Everyone gets on the train. Yeah. And then they get off and it has to get done. There's no <laughs> ifs, ands, or buts. So that was a really, really good almost like a second or third university learning experience. Cause yeah. one, you learn about news photography, which is a crazy, crazy business. Yeah. But then you had to shoot every type of photography. Mm. You had to be versatile. Yeah. You had to shoot portraits, press conferences, outside of court, art shows, food reviews. Yeah. I mean, I think I spoke to you about for steakouts. Yeah. Didn't mind those. I was, they were, they were fun. <laughs> I was like sitting like the best one I had was um it was for the good weekend yeah and there was this pastor out in northwestern Sydney who'd been maybe accused and convicted I'm not sure mm. there was a big scoop on him about he was um uh, child molester yeah and he owned this he was the head pastor of this big sort of closed off church out there sure. like a big compound yeah so you have to get a picture of it he's very recluse like. 
he every Saturday, again, yeah. it's a hot tit every Saturday, he goes from his mansion and he walks along this road to this little tiny church about yeah. a kilometer from his house yeah. before he starts his day and goes to his, <laughs> you know, the big church. So I went to the big church first to check it out. We have to check out Steakhouse. So yeah. leather jacket, hoodie, baseball cap, never look up because cameras can see you. So you're always looking down, getting 50 eyes, looking around. Is, was there some sort of stakeout school that you had to go to or something? Just TV. No? Just TV, okay, right. Old school, yeah. like, <laughs> okay. cop movies. Like sitting in the car with yeah, food, yeah. making sure like, you know, you have some, yeah. like make sure you have like something to pin, yeah. that sort of stuff. Gotcha, yeah. Um, so I found the road that he was meant to walk down. So I got there at four in the morning, set the car up. I was, had like an SUV, so mm. I set the car up so it was backwards towards where he was coming from. Yeah. Set the tripod and the camera up in the back of the car because the back window was slightly tinted. Yeah. Had a cu- cup of coffee, some food and sat there and wait. Yeah. And the trick of being a good stakeout is they don't never know that you're there yeah, and you yeah. get the photo. So eventually, and you have like a, usually have a rough, really bad Facebook or Google photo of what this person looks like. Sure. And then eventually you show get the photo. And then he didn't know. Yeah. And then it ended up in the paper. There you go. That's fun. Really? Other ones aren't as fun as when they see you and then you're like, fuck, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> so how did you get into drinks photography then? Because um, drinks photography, it's like a drink in a glass isn't particularly visually interesting by itself, oftentimes. No. I mean, I think uh, Anthony Bourdain used to say that he he never did wine scenes or like drink scenes because they're fucking boring. It's like, okay, you put the wine in the glass, that's how it is. You know? <laughs> it's usually one color you know, and it doesn't change and it's just the way it is. How do you get into it? I actually saw last night, I was thinking, before I was thinking about our podcast tomorrow, on my Instagram feed, you always get like-minded things pop up for the um, algorithm. Mm. And I was another photographer, I think from Germany or something, Berlin, and he was a drinks slash studio photographer. Yeah. But on his byline, he had liquid specialist. <laughs> I like Of course it. he is. He's a liquid specialist. I know um, a lot of liquid specialists. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, it's kind of right. Like, that's kind of like a good way to s- describe the talent of being able to make a drink look good. Mm. And it's about knowing how to make liquid look appealing. Yeah. Um, and it's all through light. Yeah. Basically, that's how um, most photography is good through light. Yeah. Um, but back to your story about where I started, I was at Fairfax. Yeah. I was looking across the road at Jones Bay Wharf where they have the Bar Awards. Oh, yeah. Well aware. Yeah. Uh, an editor came up to me, Tony, and he said, uh, I've got a friend who needs some photography done tonight. I said, where? Of course, I'll give you cash. I was like, cash? Sweet. And he goes, uh, <laughs> over there, across the road. It's like, show up at five o'clock. Had we left it that late? It was on the night? Pretty sure it was on the night. Yeah. Or, sure. or, or I, was in, I was in the office during the day. Yeah. Uh, maybe something fell through or something. Yeah. And um, I was like, yep, yeah, cool. Take my cameras over. And being at the paper, it didn't really matter what it was. You were trained to walk into any room and do a job yeah. without knowing anything. Sure. And it was like, event, sweet, easy. So went over. Met you yeah. and um, Amy. And that's kind of where, even though it wasn't, it was a related drinks event, there wasn't really any drinks photography. No, it was, it was all sort of socials and and um, and on the media wall. I'd done a few little, and then I think you called me back a month or two later and said, hey, do you want to do some 
mm. drink stuff. And yeah, I, like, I think I think one of our regular snappers at the time couldn't do it. And I was, and like, I was like, yeah. I need to find someone. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is actually a type of photography. Because in the past, I thought you were a studio photographer. You do watches, you do booze, you do yeah. makeup. That's like, that's what they do. Right. But it, it actually was. I looked around and I was like, yeah, there are people, not so much in Australia, but overseas, this is all they do. Mm. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah. To get into that. Even though I was well trained and knew how to take a good photo of an object. Yeah. I didn't have to take a photo of a drink. Yeah. I think you remember I showed up with, <laughs> I didn't want to use daylight. I wanted to use lights like it was nighttime, like a bar. Yeah. And I showed up, went to Bunnings and bought those big like workman lights. Yeah. The, yeah. The work lights that was got the stand on and you had to, you had to gaffer tape them too. So and they got so hot melting the gaffer tape. <laughs> But it cast that kind of more yellowy kind of light. Yeah, it? yeah. You had to sort of balance for it on the camera. Um, but then it sort of gave an interesting look. Like mm. Very harsh, but sort of punchy. Mm. Uh, and it was different to the kind of style of stuff we'd been running before that, which, mm. was, which was good. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine the stuff before that was very much, I like to call the Don Hay area. Europe. Yeah. Very yeah. like blurry and... Yeah, lifestyle-y, which is kind of gone now, which is a good thing for me. But yeah, um, that's kind of where it started. And I sort of, most people, when you're on the job, you know, think, how much do you learn? I was learning every job I learned. And it's, even mm. to this day, I still learn on the job. And I look back after the shoot and yeah. I sort of handed the photos over and go, I could have done better there. Yeah, I could have done better here. Right. That could have been a bit tighter. I yeah. missed that. Next time. Do that instead, or go walk like walk around the other side and get the shot from a different angle, mm. or just move that next time. Yeah, and that's kind of where it started. So, and then going from that, I think maybe you kept on getting me back for a few more times, and yeah. then I think a few other people realized I was doing drinks, maybe a couple of like little bars and cafes and stuff in Sydney. I was doing stuff for good food, mm, that's Fairfax. Right. Yeah. So that involved a little bit of drink photography. Yeah. So I was pairing those two together, trying to matching them up, and then playing with the two because they're a little bit different. Yeah. Um, in terms of food and booze, booze is more like a studio sort of vibe. Where it's like food. like bottles of booze, bottles, and even glasses and wine glasses and bars. You have it's, it's a little bit different the type of light you'd probably use. You probably use a bit more direct sort of. You're trying to hero the yeah. drink, whereas. Food photography, it's, you can kind of use the surrounds of the bar. A bit more in situ? Yeah, a bit more in situ. Right. So that's kind of where I started. And now you're the most prolific drinks photographer in the country. I you're heard, welcome. I heard someone <laughs> say that. Like, I was at a workshop the other day and the time they said that, I was like, oh, oh really? That's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 that's bad. Not bad. But I can't remember when that was, like when we first started. I think it would have been around 2013, 2014. So that's pretty early on, yeah, for so that's my time there. Yeah. Almost 10 years. Mm. I've been hard at it. Yeah, because we, we, we used to shoot a lot in the studio, Rob Palmer's studio. We used to do yeah. that there. We'd either use him or Steve Brown at the time. And then it just, they were getting busier and busier with, you know, quite, to be quite honest, higher paying gigs. <laughs> and to get studio time there was just a bit out of our range. And so we started doing more shoots on location. Yeah. Which, and that's what you were great at because you, because you could walk into any situation, you didn't need to have the setup. It sort of started to give the feel of, you know, you're in a bar. It's not yeah, super it, stylized. You're in a bar. It doesn't have to be like, you can see the whole bar, but you might see the texture of 
the wood that you know where that that is. Yeah. Like you might you might be at a Baxter and yeah. you go, I know that's a Baxter. Yeah, it's of a place. Or maybe Sam, you go, no, it's maybe Sam. But it might yeah. not, it's just like a texture, but it's like gives you that vibe. Yeah. And I've taken that through all my photography. Whenever clients go, we want to shoot, it's like, let's just shoot it at the venue. Yeah. Even if it's like a brand, let's shoot it at the venue. It looks yeah. like where it's meant to be. Yeah. Um, and it's a really easy, quick way to yeah. get a set, basically. Yeah. Just on that, like uh, if you do a bit of research and you know how to take good food or drink photos like I have, you'll often find that there's like tricks that people employ, like fake ice and all this sort of stuff. Do you do much of that at all? No. No. The- Why is that? I don't know. I just keep saying the best drinks are made by the best bartenders. They look the best. Yeah. Um, there are time limits. So ice melts. Yeah. Condensation happens. Yeah. Um, then you just have to make a new drink. Yeah. And yeah. same with food. Food yeah. gets sloppy and oily and falls apart. Yeah. Unless it's like something like a cake or something which sits there forever. Yeah. That would be like a bottle that sits, a whiskey bottle sits there forever. It doesn't change. Mm. Yeah. Like... I've had food stylists come on to booze shoot and fuck it up to the point where I was like, hey, I had to make the drink. For more, my, all my knowledge, which is just watching people do things. <laughs> yeah. Like the martinis would be warm. I was like, yeah. It's going to look cold. Well, this is the thing, right? Because a lot of bartenders who maybe they shoot with other photographers, uh, they'll be like, oh, do you want a frosted glass or a non frosted glass? And I'm like, how do you serve it? Is it in a frosty glass? Like, mm. yeah, like, that's how I like to see it. Yeah, and, you, and you've always said that too. Too, and I look to the glass, and if I know that, wow, that glass is really frosted, and I can't see. Very rare, I'll be like, hey, we need. To, can you just get an unfrosted one so we can see mm. what's inside it? Yeah, but if it's meant to be ice cold, it's meant to be ice cold. That's yeah, part of the drink's fine. There's nothing worse than seeing a martini that just looks like a glass of water, and it's you know, it's like it doesn't look cold. Yeah. It's meant to be fucking cold. I, it happens a lot. I'm like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> But little things like that, I think clients, if you're like a bartender or someone who works in the bar industry and you're getting into doing some photos, little thing, tips like that, mm. knowledge of being a bartender, knowing how to make drinks and knowing how they're meant to look, people like pick that up and go, hey, he knows what he's talking about. Like mm. that little thing like, hey, can we have this glass chilled? They're like, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's so those little things, that's the things that people decide, well, he's a specialist. Yeah. I'm going to get him back. Yeah. Like when I started first of that, I spent all that time in the kitchen shooting the chefs. Yep. You just learn. I spent all the time in the bars with you and other bartenders yep. shooting, watching people make drinks. Yeah. So you understand, you might not be able to do it yourself. But you get you understand. get an idea of what goes into making a drink look the way it is. Yes. Because like you said, I've never seen a stylist. Like I'll flip through Gourmet Traveler and stuff like that. And stylists just don't get the drink looking as good. They nope. never do. Never they do. never do. Never looks as good as unless a bartender's made it. Or yeah. That's why I stopped styling them when I was with bartender. I was like, let's, let's just go into venues and do it there. Yeah. So back on the video thing, do you think, how important is that to you these days? Because video with TikTok and Instagram Reels and everything, it's just, that's kind of seems to be where all the social platforms want to push people to video. Mm. But also, uh, and publishers as well want to use a bit more video is is it the skill set that you need to have changing um yeah like i'm always in you can't stay stagnant you always have to learn in your craft yeah because once you start stop learning it's a sad situation i reckon yeah 
I mean, you can't go, well, I've got to 40, I've learned everything I can. The next 50 or 40 years, mm. I'm just going to sit on my ass. Yeah. That's not a happy life. It used to happen that way, though. You'd be good. You just coast. <laughs> coast straight into retirement. Just go on a beach, yeah. sip a pina colada. Yeah, now you got to work till, the, till you're dead. Yeah, pretty much. But <laughs> I'm in this position. My wife always hates me for it. It's like, you're doing a job that you love to do. Yeah. It doesn't feel like I'm working. Even yeah. on the worst shoot, hey, someone's still paying me to do this. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. If people looked at my week, and the things I get up to, I'm like, yeah, I, I, people would not be happy with me. My wife's not happy with me. <laughs> He's like, she has to go to work. I'm like, what was I doing? I was like, I was, it's like I've got to, I've got to spend the half a day shooting smoke trails. And she's like, what? Yeah, I need some good smoke trails for a shoot. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. And then what are you doing next? Though? Yeah, um, going to a hotel, go. You know, shoot some food and hang out in the hotel for a bit. So it just, it looks yeah. silly. It's great that you, it's ridiculous, but it's great. <laughs> but no, that's, the, and going back to my, the COVID thing and getting rid of all bosses. So I had no bosses, just yeah. me. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. Because how, how do you deal with the stress of like, I mean, oh, let me ask you this. How do you get new clients? Do they come to you mostly because you've built up a body of work now? Yes. But it's been a long, long process. Yeah. I'm not big on chasing work. Yeah. Never have been, even when I had to. Why is that? Just, uh, I was a shy kid. Yeah, okay. I'm still kind of a shy person. Yeah. If you hang out with me most you, and other people in the room, yeah. I probably talk the least. Yeah. I'm very observant. Yes. Yeah. I'm more of an observant person. So yeah. I kind of feel like I'm in the conversation even though I'm not. Yeah. My thing was if I do good work and consistently do good work, keep on learning from things I've done wrong because I've done so much wrong in photography, just learning doing bad jobs, yeah. bad interactions with clients, eventually people will start coming to me. Mm. And also I've learned probably in the past few years is that you don't need to work with people who you think it just doesn't gel right. Yeah. Like they can be, I always say that's this, this client's can be one done because it just doesn't feel right. You don't need that extra level of stress or yeah. someone telling you to do something that you know it's not right. How do you handle saying no to clients then? Like you, about upcoming jobs? Um, you just, you just do what they want you to do and then you go to yourself, well, I'm not going to, now ask you for another job, I'm, I'm probably not going to be available for that. Yeah. Um, you say, you just gonna be do, you, do you ever say, like, I don't want to work with you? Or no, is there no, more? No. no. Okay. Yeah, uh, big tip, always be nice. Yeah. If people always know that you're not, well, I am nice, but people. <laughs> <laughs> you are nice, Chris, Chris. I can say that. I don't know. But it, 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 it Smiling at a shoot, being nice to them mm. in any situation makes their job easier because they're under pressure to get something done and it goes a long way. Mm. So I've built up from nothing to people contact me all the time yeah. to get stuff done. It's all different types of stuff. It's all related around drinks yeah. and food. And people might think, well, how can food and a bottle or a glass continue to get work? Yeah. Well, it's everything around that too. It's the people involved. Mm. It's the architectural building involved. So there's lots of type of photography that I do and video now yeah. that I've learned in the past that now I can bring to sure. a project. Yeah. So, and now I, I don't chase work, but I do things like the like workshops, which are out in the public. Yeah. Getting a new website commissioned. Mm. Um, I'm always posting current work on yeah. Instagram. So people in the industry who are on my feed can see what I've done. Yeah. And I find I get a lot of jobs, people on Instagram, 
go, hey, I know I don't know you, but maybe I know that person, or I saw you do this work, yeah, or I saw you shooting in that bar the other day. I was actually in the bar at the same time. Yeah, I work for so and so. Can we maybe do something? Yeah, I might be in an event shooting something, and someone will come up to me and hey, I've got a job for you. Yeah, so it's very organic. It feels like like because especially more when I was at bartender, I would you'd always get advertisers going, hey, do you know any snappers? Like, you know, got any good photographers? It's like you just. The word of mouth thing, I think, helps as well. Yeah, and I think also that when we were started out, I used very much, there weren't a lot of people who just did drinks. Yeah. Is that changing now? No. Is that? People are still trying to do it all. That's how I used to be. Yeah. At, at the paper, it was like that. Yeah. But my wife said, hey, well, it was just before COVID, you need to specialize. Yeah. You like food, you like booze, you seem to have fun doing that. What do you think the benefits are of specializing? Well, I think the benefits are for a freelancer is that down the line, you'll get consistent work because people think you're a specialist. So you want to you want to get a good job done, go to the specialist. You'll be the top of the, the list of no people one's who come, are food drink guys. Yeah, no one's coming to me to shoot a wedding or you know shoot car ads or something like that because yeah. I'm not a specialist. I've got yeah. no you know skin in the game. So how do you think people wanting to say they're a bartender or they're working in hospitality somewhere and they've got a passion for photography and they like to maybe go into this kind of line of work? Uh, do you think? the environment for that these days is um, better or worse than it was when you started. And also, I'm sure it's technologically different. So and mm. how is it different? It is easier because you can do a good photo on your phone now. Yeah. Whereas back in the day, I had to have an old digital camera or a film camera. Mm. You had to have a computer. You had to get developed or printed. And it was a digital, like there was no social media. Yeah. Um, so it was going on a website. So it was all a bit more harder. It was harder to find clients and stuff I think back then it was, yeah. more, it was more formal yeah. whereas now if you're a bartender you could be like your boss could be like hey we need some new cocktail photos they don't want to pay you too much hey do you want to do it I'll give you like an extra shift or yeah or do it for free or yeah. something like that no no we want the owners to pay the bartenders they can pay them yeah they can pay them. <laughs> <Yeah>. that's true <laughs> um so that's probably where it would be the easy because even if you go better if you might have bought like a thousand dollar camera yeah there's nothing different between a thousand dollar camera and a ten thousand camera. The only difference is the ten thousand dollar camera makes things a little bit easier. Yeah. But you can get the same result. So yeah. your bartender could be going, "Hey, boss, I can shoot the photos. Yeah. You shoot the photos, do a good job. You're a bartender. You know lots of bars. Yeah. Then you keep asking. You just keep pushing your contacts. Hey, you need some photos up? Or they see your work and go, mm. "Hey, like you did. Can I do get you to do that too? Yeah. Do you recommend?" What in terms of learning about photography would you recommend people going to TAFE these days? Or because it's because I mean the the darkroom stuff is kind of is that even necessary to learn? It's maybe a good to have. But it's, it's like not. one of those like the history of photography. It's like a background knowledge that's good to know. Yeah, and you know along the way it's helped you. Yeah, but it's not necessary. Yeah, and going to TAFE and stuff again is not necessary. But I have a feeling that. You can be absolutely the most artistic, gifted person. Mm. Um, and then I reckon what caps those people in terms of their how high they go in the industry yeah. is their technical knowledge. Yeah. And that is gained through someone teaching you stuff. Seeing people do things you don't know how to do can enhance your already natural skill that you have. Gotcha. And then vice versa, you can be really technically minded, but you don't have any artistic 
um, for hours. But you can also build that up and learn, read yeah. about it. So, and again, stuff like uni and stuff helps with that. that was, yeah. That's kind of how my story was. I yeah. needed help with the conceptual storytelling sort of aspect of it. Right. Because everything's a story. Even the drink's a story. Yeah. Someone needs to drink that drink. Yeah. You've got to take a photo of it and sells it to them. That's a story. <laughs> yeah. For young photographers who want to do photos of drinks and people and drinks, the reason food, good food photography or good booze photography looks good mm. is the photographer has used light to create form yeah. in your image. So you've got shadow and contrast. Almost 3D, but not quite because it's a 2D image. Mm. So the natural eye will go to where you've done that image, which is around the drink. Yeah. And then I say, well, that's one thing. The next thing is let's bring some elements of design into a shot. So it could be as simple as the drink is yellow, the background is black. Mm. So that's a color contrast. Yeah. Or there could be the line of a, the bar going diagonally through the image and the glass. Yeah. That's shapes. Yeah. And then you've got the texture of the pattern. So if you get all those things in your shots, that's where you get a good photo. Yeah. That's the difference between a shit photo and a good photo is layering those different technical aspects and then having your bottle or your drink or yeah. your bartender in that position. Do you ever get tired with some of the compositional just things you have to do when it's a shot in a bar? Like, is it... Because I feel like I see a lot of the similar posing over and over again after a while, right? And that's because I mostly ape your work <laughs> whenever I'm out shooting stuff. Well, <laughs> I just do what I've seen before. I'm not a photographer. Yeah. Right? Um, but, you know, I look at, we used to do that thing with the, like the pastel background and the drink and it was uh, like that hard shadow. Yeah. How, how sick of you of that? I'm so sick to death of seeing that shit. I mean, because we were doing that and we started four or five years ago. Oh, you started it. Uh, but yeah, but then that sort of thing just flowed through and you see it everywhere now. Not as, as well done, I might say. Yeah. But. Um, yeah. F drink photography is, it's almost like fashion photography. Yeah. And the way I sort of look at it is like, I look at a lot of fashion photography. It always generally starts there. Believe it or not, that pastel sort of thing, that started in fashion photography. Yeah. And people took it. Um, so I'm always looking. I'm always looking at trends too. Thinking what's what people doing in Europe and America. So they're usually mm. a little bit ahead of us. But not to say that you can't start a trend here. Like um, I'm always interested in shooting drinks and food with different types of lighting. How do you mean? Well, like you get a light, and you can put different types of modifiers on it. Like you can put a softbox. You can put like a. Um, at the moment, I'm using a light that's more for a fashion shoot. It's called Beauty Dish. Okay. It's, for a, it's, meant, it's meant to be for a beautiful face. Yeah. But I'm using it in... Something like mine. Yes. Make yeah. you look beautiful. So I was doing a shoot <laughs> yesterday and I was using a, a Beauty Dish on a whiskey bottle. Yeah, right. And I was getting a very interesting a f sort of crisp, sort of soft, crisp but soft lighting. Kind okay. of weird. Um, in terms of like positioning... And using like backgrounds, yeah, it's always changing. I find that I always catch myself up when I'm doing something too much, right? And I change it up. Okay. It's not. I'm, I might go back to it because I've always got that in my mind. It might be like edge of the table, drink, yeah, easy. You know, you're in, a, you're in a tough spot. You need to get a photo quickly. Yeah, in in and out. But you need to have other things you can do as well. So yeah. it's all about trying things. Uh, when it comes to working with commercial clients, like say whiskey brands and stuff. How is that different to, say, working with bars and, and, and mags and stuff? 
Because um, I guess, <clears throat> like I'm assuming too, that the dollars are usually pretty good because these guys are going to use it to sell their product to the world. Yeah. Um, well, when I first started bars and mags, that was supporting my life. That's where my money came from. Mm. Like um, these days I see, because I have a, know a lot of bartenders, I like a lot of people in the industry and, you know, I know I've been, they've been through hard times, mm. especially the bartenders. They're not like, I don't see them as a cash cow. They're more like, I like to call it window dressing. <laughs> yeah. For you as a photographer. Right. Because one, you pretty much have free reign in what you do. Yeah. So you bring your artistic skills to their bar. Yeah. And just make their drinks look as best they can. Yeah. Without doing something crazy that doesn't fit them. Yeah. Same with food. Like I do a lot of stuff for good food. And for me, that's not about money. That's about getting my name out there. Mm. And Because you get the byline. Get the byline. I guess kind of get to do what I want. Yeah. Um, you're kind of like your own your own boss. You just have to fit in a few little guidelines. Yeah. And the same with bars. Like I wouldn't say to a young photographer coming up that you could survive on just shooting bar photography. Yeah. Because there's only so many bars. They only do it so many times a year and they don't pay. They've only got so much budget. They've only got so much budget. Yeah. So that's where a brand comes in. Mm. So you meet brand people through events um, at bars. They might have seen you work online. Usually it's a referral from someone. They have bigger budgets. The only thing is it's like the creeping in of a boss. They almost, they're not, mm. they're not your boss, but they sort of have more conditions on what you need to do. You're working more to a brief, right? Yeah, very much more yeah. a brief. So you sort of have to, you still use creativity to create something awesome, but you have to fit in their guidelines. Yeah. So it's a bit more finicky, a bit more timeline involved, but you do get paid more. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's where, if you can put the two together, yeah. brands and bars, that's a full day. That's a full week's work. There you go. What? What can someone, what can a photographer reasonably expect to make a week, do you reckon? I say to any, I always say to these people, there's no limit yeah. on what you can make in a week. Yeah. It, if you get all the right clients in one week, you could make a house deposit. But yeah, but how hard is it to get all the right clients in one week? <laughs> hard. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if for some reason like you had three or four or three, maybe three big clients, mm who are having three studio shoots and maybe one is two days and they're all global shoots going around the world because then mm. you have to involve licensing. That's where you could, you sort of, you make more money. But mm. again, you have, it's almost impossible to get it all in one week. You, and this has never changed for me. You'll have a really busy point. Yeah. Almost like a roller coaster. Yeah. And you have a quiet period. Yeah. And you have a really busy point and a quiet period. <laughs> I've got it down now, so I pretty much have uh, two quiet periods. Yeah, which is this time of year around in the financial year. Yeah, more May than in the financial year because it usually gets a little bit busy just before the last week or two before financial year. Because people got to spend their budgets, and then yeah. once it rolls over, people start again. Yeah, and then Christmas. So yeah. I see that as a forced holiday. Yeah. So during the middle of the year, I try to do um, self promotion, things like this. Yeah. You know change the website, yeah. workshops, whatever I can. And then yeah. at Christmas, that's just do nothing. But if you're a young photographer, you'll find that the roller coaster has, it's a lot smaller and, <laughs> yeah. and it's up and down a lot more. And when you get more things, you sort of time it. And um, you have to enjoy the time you have off rather than fret about it. Mm. You have a much better life. Yeah. 
So if it's Tuesday, you're not working, yeah. don't worry about it. It's a Tuesday and yeah. you're not working. And how good's the pub on a Tuesday afternoon? Exactly. No one's there. No one's there. <laughs> Brilliant. There yeah. is a lot of luck involved yeah. and there's a lot of skill involved. And you put all that together with hard work, yeah. eventually you'll get to where you want. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm going to wrap this up, but I'm going to ask you for like just a couple of quick pieces of advice for taking better photos as a bartender. What are your top two tips? Um, I'd say a top tip is to use a light. Use like an actual light. Yeah, that's not... Like a photography light. Yeah, that's the way to separate yourself from other people. Because yeah. then you... And you have more control. And you can do it whenever you want then. It doesn't yeah. have to be at four o'clock in the afternoon when the light comes to the, to the bar window. Yeah. That's, that's why one light, one camera. That's where I'd start. Yeah. And then the second tip is practice moving everything around. Yeah. So move the light around then move yourself around. Yeah. Try different positions. And then you can start building from there. Yeah. And start then start using the environment around you. Maybe use the bartender as well to get yeah. in there with a hand and stuff like that. Uh, and then I'm gonna ask you one last one is if there was something in sort of drinks photography you just absolutely are done with seeing, you don't want to see again, is it is there any particular trend that you just overall? Um I think we we're talking about four. It's the, <laughs> the pop colour background yeah. with the hard shadow. Yeah. People need to get some new ideas. Yeah. That's probably it. <laughs> People need to get some new ideas. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris Pierce, thanks for talking to me today. No, it's been good. Thank you. thank you to Chris Pierce for joining me and thank you to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please give it a rating on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you get yours. If you've got some thoughts you'd like to share about this episode, my email is sam at boothby.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. Until next week, this has been Drinks at Work by Boothby.